Welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review. Our several-year mission will be to boldly go where no podcast has gone before. We will be reviewing every Star Trek comic book ever published. These stories have been released by Gold Key, Marvel, DC, Malibu, Wildstorm, Tokyo Press, IDW, and others. Star Trek and all that the Star Trek universe contains is copyrighted by CBS Studios, Inc. Hello and welcome to Star Trek Comic Book Review with Donovan again. Episode number 372, recorded September 11th, 2022. And today we're almost finishing off Star Trek Mirror War with issues number 7 and 8. When I first read these, it was like I thought, oh, this is it. And I completely forgot about Troy. Right. So we're going to do that next week. Right, do that next week, yeah, because that just came out. At the time of recording, that just came out like just a couple days ago, so right, it's fresh. So it should be interesting to see exactly how Troy came out to be the hmm, sadistic, nasty individual she is in this universe. Uh, Right, yeah, assuming that it's a flashback like all the other ones have been. Oh, you think it might not be an origin story? I don't know. I haven't read it. Yeah. But okay. yeah, I mean, I'm just assuming you're right. Yeah, because based on, based on the other ones, that's the way they were. Right. Or at least showed some significant piece of their past, if not right. their actual origin. Yeah, even if it's one that makes absolutely no sense, like the Cisco one. Oh, the Cisco one. up weird. all kinds of continuity and stuff. It's just, just weird. Weird. <laughs> yeah, the whole time I'm reading these books, especially in, the, in issue number seven, when... Mm-hmm. And there is some ties in with Deep Space Nine mm-hmm. uh, Mirror Universe episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Cisco book just kept popping in my head. I'm just like, that one was so bad. No. <laughs> Here they're doing it right, but what what was going on with that Cisco book? I don't know. They went off on their own a bit. Right. I mean the arc too. So we will, we don't want to redredge dredge all that. Sure, sure, but. sure. That was that was last week's rant, yeah. but. Like I said, reading this, it just kept popping in my head. Yeah. <laughs> cool. But uh, but yeah, so uh, this is the last of the numeric issues for, quote-unquote, the Mirror War event. Mm-hmm. And so we'll do Troy next week along with a new miniseries for Picard. Yeah, Picard Stargazer issue one. Cool. Yeah, so it takes place between season two and three of Picard. But I did kind of thumb through it, and it looks like it has a lot of uh, uh, young Picard on the original Stargazer as well. So it'll be kind of interesting. Okay, cool. Well, he spent more time on that old one than the new one. Yep, so far. Yeah. We don't know. (laughs) It might might be on there forever. We'll we'll, We'll see what happens. Of course, this will not be posted for a long time. But as of the recording of this... Star Trek Day just happened, so there is a little bit of talk about Season 3. So, a new trailer came out, and that's kind of uh, interesting, showing a little bit more detail, a little bit more of the old crew right? uh, in, you know, doing different things. And there's one particular scene where uh, Riker is, like, looking up and kind of smiling and saying, Hello, beautiful. So, uh, exactly what he's looking at is not clear, but... um, I would hope so. Hope Troy, or maybe the original. Oh no, the Enterprise D is destroyed. So, what would he be talking about? Uh, I think Enterprise the Titan. D? 
the original Titan? Well, okay. So the trailer, which everybody's going to see by the time everybody hears this, including Donovan, but you haven't seen it yet. That's true, I have not. There's apparently a new Titan. Um, that's a new ship design, at least new, new to us. Interestingly enough, rather than just being uh, something that looks more like uh, Riker's ship, it's kind of a, an updated Constitution class. At least that's what it looks like to me. Mm. Um, so, I, so I, interesting more choice. Like Constitution class than the Strange New Worlds Constitution class? Well, Strange New Worlds uh, Constitution class and the uh, Discovery Constitution class, they're pretty close to the same thing. Pretty close. I think they probably tweak things a little bit right? for Strange New Worlds. But that's pretty much... So it looks a little bit more like that. So it doesn't have a really long neck like the original TV Taws ship. The nacelle pylons aren't little sticks. <laughs> Popsicle sticks. So, But there's the secondary hull that looks really different um, in this reworking. So interesting that, that they would choose that to be... Or they, they chose the name Titan for that ship... Or that if they did want to bring the Titan back, that they would choose that, uh, uh, an upgraded or updated Constitution class design. But mm. that's, that's what they did. Well, I look forward to seeing it someday. Yes. yes. Well, get out there and you can see it on YouTube and many other places. At least a, a little, little sightings of them. And I think it said it's going to start in February of 2023. I could be off on that, the new season. But, you know, <laughs> it's going to be on and done with probably before this episode is posted. So, Possibly, yeah. Possibly. Possibly. All right. Well, speaking of this episode, shall we jump into the books? Let's or do, do we have more chit-chat? No, I don't think I have any. Okay. So cool. we're going to wrap it up with uh, issue seven and eight, or pretty much wrapped up. And we get to see what happened with the narrative. That's the main thing. So, Right. Okay, so this is uh, episode number seven, and its published date is July of 2022. The team is pretty much the same as before all the other issues, pretty much. Uh, I th- matter of fact, I think they're identical, but I'm going to go through them again since that's the first time for this uh, particular episode. Scott and David Tipton, writers, artist Gavin Smith, colorist Charlie Kirchhoff, letterer Neil Yataki, senior editor Heather Antos, Editorial assist by Vanessa Rial. Okay, so we got three covers. The first one is cover A, which is dominated by Picard's bearded head and upper torso, uh, which is on the right-hand side of the cover. On the left-hand side, we see a much smaller Data wearing a Borg arm. Then the rest of the cover includes a variety pack of seven Empire starships. Seven, count them seven. So there's like a, something that looks like a Miranda class, and then a couple Excelsior classes, or something like like an Excelsior class, and then we see the three nacelle Galaxy class Enterprise, and, you know, that kind of thing. So always nice to see ships. Cover B presents a lovely drawing of Kira looking morose and off into the distance. Um, a hot pink round symbol is behind her head, and I don't know if that's supposed to be the symbol of what the Bajoran Alliance or whatever she works with, but it's kind of a, a, a circular symbol behind her head. Cover is by Amanda Madriaga. 
Retailer Incentive Cover presents no less than six drawings of Picard's face, expressing different emotions reflected within shards of glass. Also, a few shards towards the top are drawings of parts of the Enterprise saucer section, it looks like. And then the background is a Starfield, and that's by Mark Alvarado. Six ant-like figures are on the saucer section of the Enterprise D as Picard orders his fleet to go, go, go. Shouts come over comms for the Empire uh, are heard, and then shouts of for Captain Picard are enthusiastically added. After the ants re-enter the Enterprise, Picard, Riker, and Dr. Crusher are still in their spacesuits walking through an Enterprise D hallway to the continuing cheers of the crew. Dr. Crusher and Riker look at each other with concern over the adulation Picard is receiving, to some degree rivaling the Empire itself. They enter the bridge and open a channel to Data, who is ordered to take his armada of ships to intercept Regent Worf's flagship and forces before they can combine with the Cardassian Protectorate's fleet. Meanwhile, Picard will take his armada of ships to attack the Cardassian fleet. A divide-and-conquer kind of thing. Picard stokes his forces by spouting Terran Empire rhetoric about them no longer being penned into the solar system, and conquering their enemies by dividing and conquering. Meanwhile, Troy storms into the armory where Riker, Geordi, Dr. Crusher are gathered. She derides their reckless meeting at this time. Picard cannot suspect their plans or he will Okona them all. I, I love that that's now a verb. Troy says their actions have committed them to carry out their plans. When the time comes, they will know what to do. Later, Leia Brahms marches into the Enterprise D bridge with three security men armed with phaser rifles. She says she has all the ship's command codes and she is now captain of the Enterprise. She orders Picard be found and brought to her bridge immediately. Riker, Geordi, and Wesley are shocked, but Brahms appears to be beating them in the game of insurrection. Right on cue, Picard appears in the shadows, ordering Brahms out of his chair. Picard overrides Brahms' command codes and has the ship eliminate her three confederates in a particularly gruesome way. Picard orders Riker and Geordi to take Brahms to the brig. On their way out, Geordi figures Leia planted her override command codes while the ship was still being constructed. Data must have found them when that assassination attempt against Picard exposed that Picard's command codes were compromised somehow. Picard must have bided his time and let Leia make her move. Picard commends Geordi's cleverness and says that is why he and Riker are his favorite officers. When they are out of earshot, Picard adds, for now. Riker delivers Brahms to Troy's favorite agony booth. Picard has Guinan brought to his ready room, where she confirms there is one more group of insurrectionists to deal with. She says she will tell Picard who should be next on his hit list. Cut to Data's attack on the Klingon fleet, which is going well, but victory is not a sure thing. 
when suddenly the Defiant and a bunch of Bajoran attack ships enter the fray and fire on Worf's flagship. The Defiant opens up a channel to Data's ship, identifying itself as the ISS Defiant. Miles O'Brien is in command, much to Data's surprise. Garak tells Worf he recognizes the second attack fleet's lead ship as the one that cost them Tarek Nor. He suspects they were sent so far from their home base to distract Worf from something. Picard and his fleet come out of warp to engage the Cardassian fleet, but see a wall of ships comprised of a much larger contingent of Gaylor-class ships than any of them could have expected. The always sneaky Cardassian blockade leader opens up a channel taunting Picard, saying they knew what Picard was up to and built a few new ships of their own. Picard essentially says, Bring it on, Spoonhead. Despite Riker's warnings, Picard commits his forces to break the Cardassian blockade or die trying. Meanwhile, at the other mega space battle, Worf realizes this attack is trying to keep them from joining the Cardassian fleet, so he orders all ships to disengage and set course for the rendezvous coordinates. O'Brien and Data see the Klingon change in tactics and start devising a way to stop them and fast. Back at the Cardassian blockade, the Enterprise-D's massive weapons fire blasts a hole in the Cardi blockade, as does other Empire ships. They turn to re-engage, but see the blockade looking like so much Swiss cheese and starting to disengage. Wesley and many other bridge crew members are injured, which Picard ignores and orders the fleet to begin repairs immediately. They need to be battle-ready within hours for their departure to Gardasia Prime, where they will take it with extreme prejudice. To be continued. So they're prejudiced? Yes. With extreme prejudice. So uh, this really drives home how fragile those comm paddles are. Just any (laughs) any ship takes damage. The people that get hurt are the ones that are working at those desks. Exactly. They're, they're death panels. Because <laughs> the rest of the bridge is pristine, but somehow yeah. uh, Crusher, Will Wheaton. Yeah, right, right. Wesley Crusher. <laughs> Wesley Crusher is the only one that dies. Well, did he, did he die or is he yeah, really I don't badly know, hurt? but he's definitely uh, looking it. Yeah. Yeah, so the, the, the navigation and the... Navigation and the pilot session and, and maybe some some things in the back. Yeah, like wharf uh, station. Yeah. But then but then uh, Riker and and Picard they leap to take over and, and that kind of thing. So yeah. So obviously they've taken some damage breaking that blockade. And so they're, what they're trying to get across is Picard is really pushing his troops hard to be able to take Cardassia Prime itself. Which right. is probably very well defended. You would think, yeah. Yeah. So it reminded me a little bit of Patton in World War II. Oh, the movie? On. The movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. I guess I guess I, I was thinking not necessarily a movie, but history. <laughs> but you're right. You're right. George C. Scott was really pushing his troops. Yeah, there you go. That's right. <laughs> I, I learned all my history through movies. <laughs> well... That's how I know what's going to happen in the future so well, because I watch a lot of Star Trek movies. There you go. There you go. 
the historical documents. Exactly. (laughs) As the Thermians call them. Exactly. Uh, So anyways, here, Smiley O'Brien shows back up after the events of all the Star Trek Deep Space Nine and and what little he's been in these books. But Mm -hmm. uh, I liked it. It fit the continuity uh, really well. Exactly. The TV show. Right. It wasn't messing with it. Yeah. And he has a defiant, as he should, not like Cisco last week, who had two of them somehow. Right. Yeah, wasn't that something? <laughs> yeah, I just have a, yeah, I got a bunch of them hanging around. Yeah, exactly. So who was the brunette, I guess, piloting the defiant? Yeah, I was, I looked at that for a while. It looked like uh It looked like Dax to me. Dex, but she would be dead now, so it, it would ha- it would have to be Ezra Dex. Oh, Ezri? Okay, yeah. right. Okay. Assuming that the same, you know, the same deaths happened, but well, yeah, mostly yeah, they do. She's in the she's in the last Mirror episode. They have Ezri Dex is in it. Uh, you talk about the TV show. Or you talking about comic yeah, books? I'm talking about the TV show. Oh, okay. Well, okay. I know In what the happened. Last to the TV Mirror show. War episode TV show. She's she's in it as Dex. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, so knee-jerk reaction, I was expecting Cisco to be <laughs> in command. But it's like, oh, no, 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 that's not yeah. going to work. Yeah, he's dead. Yeah, right. Although other things were not necessarily following TV show continuity in this series, but... Right. Yeah. Those look like Bajoran fighter craft. Right. I could be wrong about that. Yeah, I was trying to figure but, out what they were, but that that's the only thing I could come up with too. Right. And they're all the exact same. Right. So at first I was like looking to see if there was any differences, like if, if this was a fleet of another another alliance of smaller smaller systems, but they all seem to be the same. Right. And my only thing is that they're definitely Bajoran, but you know, you'd hope he would have something more coming with him than fighters. So Well, I don't think they have a lot. Yeah. Well. They would have had time to, to build a lot. Yeah, they took over everything, but... Yeah, know. but they don't have a Fondor or whatever that's just spitting out new ships. Well, no. No one mm-hmm. does. Although the Cardassians sure geared up production, didn't they? Yeah, they got a lot there. Yeah. Just so that was quite a wall of ships that, ship. yeah. <laughs> that they deployed. <laughs> Whee! But I, mean, I, don't, I don't care how many ships you deploy. You can still fly around them. <laughs> Space is big. Anyway, yeah that that uh, that effect always looks bad in, um, in Encounter at Farpoint when mm-hmm. the Enterprise D just comes across a big wall in space. Right. And I was always, even as a little kid, just like fly around it. It's <laughs> Come on, duh. Only could be so big. Exactly. You can move at many times the speed of light. Exactly. You can definitely get around that. So, so I think Picard I, was. Oh, I think. Picard was being depicted uh, as quite the madman. <laughs> Going yeah, into especially these last... with some of his facial expressions. Oh yeah, when he's on the uh, on the bridge, his both of his arms are up and he's flexing those biceps and he's just screaming his orders. You know, repair within as fast as possible. We're we're going for Cardassia Prime, and then you know, everybody else is like, "What?" So Picard is uh, going a little over the edge. So what 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 caused it? I mean, because he seemed pretty. I mean, he was evil, but uh, he seemed mm. like he wasn't crazy. Exactly. Uh, you know, 
all the way up until now, really. I didn't I didn't notice him being crazy even last issue when he killed Dakota. It seemed like, oh, well, that's what this Picard would have done. Uh, yeah, I think I, I completely agree with you. Completely agree with you. But at some point, the writers, Tipton Brothers, decided to turn on the crazy switch. <laughs> because in the end, well, we'll see what happens in the next issue. Right. But they're really... Maybe it's uh maybe it's Guinan that's always like just kinda like edging him on. Oh, you gotta oh these people are after me too. Oh, you gotta do this. Until he just finally like can't take it anymore. With, <laughs> with, with that little mutiny and he knows that there's another mutiny and he's just like Right. He can't I'm, take it anymore. I'm so sick of me not being able to trust people. I, I really would like to trust people. No. No, you can't. <laughs> And I keep on wondering about, you know, whether Guinan is trying to manipulate Picard into something. Because, again, I, I don't think she is necessarily has a fantastic life aboard the Enterprise. Right. You know, I don't think she's a free agent, you know, running the bar or doing whatever. I think her activities are restricted to some degree. Right. Especially based on the first time we saw her and one of the earlier ones. But, so I'm just kind of, you know, I just keep on wondering... I mean, is is she actually got a got a game going of herself right. to defeat him? And maybe that plays into what you just said. Mind yeah, games. I mean, yeah, the only time you see her is her just like nudging him. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Well, we'll see. I thought the little mutiny with uh, Leah Brahms and everything was a little. I don't know. I didn't really like how they explained it. Oh, Data disabled their guns before he left the ship. Oh, how yeah. How did he know which guns they were going to grab? Exactly. I was like, oh, that's stupid. Yeah. But I did like watching them disintegrate there on the bridge. Oh, that looked great, didn't it? That was great artwork. Yeah. Now, the thing is, what is that? <laughs> uh, what? what, what? Well, didn't they have the Tantanus Ray or whatever? Tantanus the- Field? Yeah, in the in the first. Yeah, show. but nobody ever looks like that. Yeah, well, this is this is the next generation okay. ramped up seven or ramped up the eleven. Could be, could be, because it, it reminded me of the Tantalus feel at first. But then you see skeletons, and yeah. this is a this is not a good death. No, it looks like they're they're hurting. Yeah. Right. So I, I didn't know what that was exactly, but it's some it's some kind of security system in the ship. So the heck with an essacene gas, just uh, horribly fry people. Right. Yeah. Did you like that shot where Ricard's snapping that tablet into two? Oh, yes. Tell me the truth. You went and and got your iPad and tried to do the same thing just to see if you could. Ah! (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, you you can't snap them easy, but... You can bend the metal, the the aluminum frame, and then shatter the glass. So the glass will go like that, but it's really rough to actually break the the aluminum. Hey, give it a shot. Put it on YouTube. <laughs> I, I I'm not a big muscle man like. Uh, but I want you to I want like you to Picard. wear your uh, your mirror universe Picard uh, costume. That's likely to happen. <laughs> I would have to get. I would have to obtain one first, and I'd have to work out with those guns. I mean, you, you can't pull it off without, you know, shaving your head, and getting the guns and growing the beard and getting that goatee. Yeah, exactly. You got that just right. 
<laughs> now, you have definitely in the past nailed the head stuff, but uh, it's the guns. Those are hard. Those are hard to come by. Anyway. That's funny. I love the look on Garak's face. So Garak is, is shown in front of Worf once after O'Brien comes in. Mm-hmm. And then Garak is like hunched down and his hands are up and he's saying, It's another fleet, wicked world! Yeah. does look a lot like the, uh, the witch from Wizard of Oz. Yeah, exactly. He's just, I, 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 I don't think that's characteristic. I don't think Garak would be like that ever. But I kind of liked it. This is Mirror Garrick. I know, but... But yeah, still. even Mirror Garrick was like that. Yeah. No, that's funny. So, uh, I have a question. Mm. Yes. I even went back and looked at issue 8. So, issue 8... I mean, not issue 8. 6. Okay. The last page, is being sucked out into the universe. Okay. And then this issue starts with people on the on the hull of the ship. So yes. what, what happened in between there? Why are they out there? Interesting point. Yeah, I, I completely missed that there were people on the outside of the ship when I first read this. So, but, and the reason they were there, apparently, is again, feeding Picard's ego, I guess. I mean, because remember that big thing where he had most of the crew on some uh, shuttle deck or something? Yeah. And then, uh, like, Riker and, and the others were thinking, well, this, this guy's ego. I mean, who, who needs to do this? He just, you know, ad- address the, uh, the crew over the, over the comms. What's the deal with this? So I think it's just an escalation of, of him grandstanding, I think. Hmm. So he's just out there so that the people will see him <laughs> and be, like, inspired? I guess so. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think that would work. Yeah. Plus, I mean, if you're one of those, if unless you're the ship like right on top of them, you're not going to see. Not going to see anything. <laughs> of course, you know they they, you know, they could add a simulcast going, so it's basically the same result. Some future sci-fi camera broadcasting an image of them on the hull. Okay, right. you could have done that in the comfort of the bridge, but whatever. Yeah, that's it. Just seemed weird. Yeah. Well, I completely missed it. Like I said, I just went right through it. And then the first thing I really noticed, I just thought, okay, a bunch of ships, fine. And then there's some, some, some word balloons. And then the next panel where they're walking through the, through the hallway, I was thinking that's where the story's really beginning. And it's like, well, why are they in space? It's, hmm, oh, well. Right, right. And then I, I went back and looked again. I said, oh, they were on the hull. Oh, okay. Yeah, anyway. For no reason. Yeah, pretty much. And that's all I have to say. Yeah, my last comment is that it's funny that Kira, Regent Kira, got on the cover. Mm-hmm. Yet she's not in the book at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not even mentioned. Yeah. Isn't that funny? I mean, is this just an extra drawing they had that they were doing? Or for whatever reason, they said, ah, Kira. Yeah, we'll do Kira. Okay. Yeah. And what's that? Do you know what that symbol is behind her head? No, no. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's just I don't know what, what they mean. decided to put up there. Right. It, it, it's just like uh, semicircles, parts of segments of a circles that are like in varying lengths and they're all kind of like inset next to each other. Actually, it reminds me more of like maybe something in Star Wars. 
Yeah, like it reminds me of like the little data port that R2 oh, punches right. into yeah. to kind of like realign stuff. That's what it looks like to me. Yeah, one of those interface ports that he's right. plugging yeah. in and interfacing with the ship or whatever. Right. Yeah. But I mean, you can see on Kira's uniform mm-hmm. the the symbol for that uh, alliance thing that she's in charge of. Mm. And it doesn't look anything like that, so yeah. I have no idea what that is. Okay. Cool. All right. That's it. That's ready it. Ready for eight? Ready for eight. The last issue? I'm ready. What what right. happens? I'm looking forward to finding out what happens. Yeah, and hopefully it wraps everything up. Yeah. All right, so issue eight came out August 2022. All the writing at Art Staff was exactly the same as seven. Several covers. So the first one is the J.K. Woodward cover, and it has a close-up picture of Picard. And then behind him, we see a shadowy man that's completely covered in shadow, except you can see one eye is completely white. So, And I guess you can see some of the beard has a little bit of uh, lighting on it, so you can see that he, whoever this person is, not saying who it is, may have a uh, dreadlock goatee of some sort Hmm. and he's holding a knife so the next cover is by amanda badringa and it has the picture of commander Riker with his goatee and eyeball blind eyeball and then behind him we see just like a spiral pattern or just a a bunch of circles they're not even a spiral and then there's the Mark Alvarado cover and it shows Riker screaming at the reader and then in front of him is a bunch of shattered mirror and then in all the little panels we see like different pictures of Data and Kira and the Enterprise and Barclay and other people and that's it for the covers the story starts with Worf's fleet that was fighting Data last issue is somehow able to flee Data and the Defiance fleets, but Data is following in hot pursuit. Data contacts Picard to have him be ready, and then the two forces can wipe out the Klingon fleet forever. Picard tells Data to deal with it himself because Picard is taking the rest of the fleet to Cardassia itself to destroy the root of this deadly alliance. Riker tries to reason with Picard on the bridge. Then the two eventually head off to the ready room so that they can discuss this in private. But that is really just code for fighting it out. And then the fight ends when Picard is momentarily distracted when when Troy and Crusher enter the room. And this allows Riker to slide his blade into his former captain's back. With Picard now dead, Riker joins with Data's fleet, and the two destroy Worf's fleet completely. With the exception of the flagship itself, when Garrick is able to take over the controls when Worf is incapacitated. And then Garrick is able to fly out to freedom at the very last minute. Riker then contacts Cardassia Prime and demands a ceasefire. And once the Cardassians get word that the Klingon fleet is lost... They reluctantly agree. Uh, Later, Troy sends a Beta Z message box to the Emperor of Earth. And as you remember, the Beta Z message box is a box with a a face on top of it that starts talking. You know, usually to invite you to a wedding or something. But in this time, 
the uh, the news is for the emperor to tell him of the victory. However, this message box turns out to be a bomb, and the emperor and all his aides are killed in the explosion. Riker returns to Earth and becomes the new emperor. As the emperor, he's presented with a lot of the dull daily life events that a monarch has to take care of, which is like listening to his people and granting them their wishes or requests. But uh, this is tiring and he does not appreciate it. But what he does like is the benefits with an ample supply of willing ladies, including Shelby herself. Later, Riker appoints all his former Enterprise crew to various high-ranking positions throughout the Empire. And then we get a last shot of Guinan with Ricard's body, and she tells him that she told him so. And then she asks the dead man, what are they going to do next? To be continued. At some point, who knows? What are they going to do next? Isn't that kind of... If he's dead, was that a joke? Was that ooky? Uh, is she insane? Uh, or is he not dead? I, don't th- I think he's dead, by the way. I, I'm I just trying he, to figure out that last bit. I think he's dead, but... I don't know. I immediately thought of um, Star Trek The Return, which was the book written by Shatner. Mm-hmm. Where he was brought back to life with Borg nanoprobes and stuff. So I was right. like, oh, what if somehow this guy in has been in league with the Borg Queen the whole time and then <laughs> they get introduced the mirror the mirror Borg. Or you know, what maybe it... maybe that's why she's been nudging Picard in into some of these decisions. I don't know. I don't know. But it would be kinda cool to see what a mirror Borg would look like. Yes. What a mirror Borg uh, collective would look like. Yep. Yeah, that, that's possible. That's possible. Another and thing it's I something was, they haven't done yet. No. Another thing I was wondering about is, uh, although with the with what they're saying here at the very end, I don't think this is the case. But what if Picard pulled a a mock time Doctor McCoy uh, shoots Kirk with the tranquilizer, whatever, simulates death, blah blah blah. Um, knowing, and this is all part of the plan. I, I don't, you know, the part of Picard and Guinan's plan right, to right. to deal with this, you know, bringing out the second set. And it's like I don't believe that's that's happening at all. But I do say I see to be continued at the, on the in the last panel. Now it's to be continued because of the Troy thing. Must be. Right? I I don't think so. I don't know. I I I took it as to be continued until another. Another, another series, another miniseries. That's what I'm assuming. Okay, okay, good. Because again, I did kind of thumb through the Troy book, and mm-hmm. there is no continuation of this. So, and and like you said, all the other solo books have been more backstory type stuff. Right. But cool. uh, but I haven't read it yet, so. Well, the only thing is, I can't see another one without Picard. I mean, another mini. That's why I'm saying. I, I think Picard. I think a mirror Lucutus would be would <laughs> in perfectly. Okay, let's all let's all hope. That's my hope. There you go. But uh, I'm ready for the Tiptons to guide me wherever they're wanting to go. Right. Okay, so Shelby and Riker had something going before he became emperor. 
Because obviously, it, right? I, I mean, don't know. I mean, it, obviously, she was the key to bringing the bomb to the emperor and right. whatever yeah. admirals were present. Yeah, she brought the bomb and then she beams up it immediately it after the or right before the bomb goes off. Right. Which it took me a minute to figure out what was going on there. Because, uh, I mean, it kind of has, like, this blue light on her, and I thought, well, she's just standing under a light. And then later I was like, oh, she beamed away. Right. And that's why she's not blowed up. Exactly. And then I kept spending a lot of time looking at that face in the box, thinking, mm-hmm. is that Picard's head? You know, I, I was I was thinking maybe that's what they were giving him, like a his head in carbonite or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Correct me if I'm wrong, but that looks a bit like, uh, like a death mask or something. That's what I thought it was at first. I completely forgot about the, you know, the Bajoran message box or whatever, because I, I, it looked. I thought they were bringing his death mask right. to the emperor. The look on his face when he had uh, the, the the stab in the back. Right. I mean, it looks a bit like that. I mean, sure. his mouth is open. He's surprised, and it looks very similar. And he's bald. <laughs> it's pretty much the face. So uh, it just looks very similar to that last panel of him alive. Uh, that, that looks like it's reproduced like in a death mask kind of thing. So anyway. yeah, no, I agree. But uh, but you know, I think it's a I think it's a Beta Z box. Okay, cool, and, and that makes sense because as soon as it started talking, it was like, what the heck? <laughs> this what this isn't what I thought it was. So. And then it exploded. It went in, went explodey. Right. So yeah, I guess I guess Shelby could have been in on it the whole time. I mean, obviously she's in on that part. Exactly. But and I didn't get that they were in a relationship until it shows them smooching and Troy's looking on unhappily. Right. And I took it that. Bye bye, Troy. Uh, Riker's going to be with with uh, Shelby now, but mm. you're quite right. I mean, if he's if he's emperor, it's like, well, I guess he could do anything he wants, can't he? Uh, right. Lady wise, and we know he he was already doing pretty good as just a lowly commander. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then the thing I really love is just Troy. You know, what, while they're doing the smooching thing, just looking around, really pissed off. Where the heck is Riker? I like. Oh, that. I thought she she saw him. I took it that she saw him, and she's just like, oh, "I've been replaced." Oh, I, that might be, but I I thought she was like looking around for him. Yeah, it could be that way too. Hmm. Uh, I could be wrong. Yeah, good point. Because so, you know when he's being you know getting the coronation and everything, you know he's got Troy in his arms and stuff like, oh hey, it's looking like Troy's going to be a queen here or whatever, right? Um. And then, and then the next page, uh, you know, Riker and Shelby are smooching, and, and Troy's looking around pissed. <laughs> anyway, I did like how he, like Shelby, was the one that like told him that she's kind of like telling him what he needs to do. Yeah. So she's almost like the admirals that the other brain dead emperor had, where really right. the other people are the ones calling all the shots, and he's just the mouthpiece for him. Right. So well, I kind of wondered if that's where they were going with it. Yep. I mean, that and also she's kind of taken Troy's place. 
I mean, I think Troy was calling a lot of the shots or guiding things along with the whole insurrection, more so that's than true. Riker. Yeah, that's true. So He's just a puppet. He's just a puppet for the women in his life. A lucky <laughs> bastard. Anywho. So, but yeah, so uh, when he became Emperor, I didn't really mention it, but nobody was really up for it. And then he, he he's him. told to offer them an ungodly amount of money. And then they're like, oh, oh we always loved Riker. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. <laughs> Basically bribery. We'll, we'll, we'll do anything. And he's, this is outrageous. Where will I find the money to pay for things like this? Right. So much for Par- Picard's remaining nest egg. <laughs> I can't imagine Picard having that much money. Yeah. Well, I mean, if he is emperor, I mean, doesn't he have like a big new nest egg? Oh, you would think Riker would, yeah. But that no, the joke about Picard's nest egg. Oh yeah. Well, well, we know Picard had a lot of money. Yeah, but enough to go back to that. enough to pay three times what they were getting paid. A year for the whole the whole empire. Well, okay, and that's an or interesting. Or is it just thing. the people that happened to be there that time? Well, they're definitely so Imperial Guard headquarters Earth. So they're definitely on Earth. So it isn't just the Enterprise crew. I assume. I think the Enterprise crew would be the people, or maybe some of the people on the other ships too, would be the people that are most invested in Picard, and and most you know like, oh, Picard's the man. Uh, as opposed to just general people from Starfleet or on Earth. All right, so he's just offering it to the guards, the uh, Imperial guards. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying it makes more sense for uh, members of the crew uh, or maybe members of other crews of other ships as opposed to everybody in the Empire. Mm. But I don't know. Good point, though. I mean, but those are the people that were most into Picard, right? At least that we saw. Mm-hmm. I mean, those are the people that are going, for Captain Picard! You yeah, know? right, right, right. His little armada. Exactly. So I'm not sure of people on Earth exactly how big a, you know, a fan base Picard had. Although he might have, who knows. Anyway, whatever. Yeah, it's going to cost him a pretty penny. Right. But it's good to be the king or the emperor. And then the last thing I have... And and I didn't put it in the synopsis just because it didn't really go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Was when Data hooked himself up to the ship, the or was that last issue? I thought it was more last. No, it was this issue. Was it this, it was this issue. Yeah. So during the fight, that final fight with Worf, Data hooks himself up to his ship so that he can directly control. He can directly ship. see everything the oh, sensors right. see. Right. Blah 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 blah. And then that's it. It's one panel of them doing it, and then it's another panel of it's done, and then they don't ever explain if that helped or hindered or, you know, did it allow him to grow in any way? It was just two random panels in the middle of this fight that didn't really seem to go anywhere. Did you you feel the same way? I thought that was the key to them finally finishing off Worf's fleet. I thought. It doesn't say that. I mean, the pictures just show two huge fleets streaming at each other at warp speed. Yes. (laughs) And then a few panels later, it's basically Uh showing Worf's flagship getting hit. Right. And then the next panel shows like one, two, three, four, five of Data's ships 
all blowing some something out of out of the air, which must be Klingon ships. Right. But Data's only in control of one ship, not not all the uh, ships. Is that it, or did he have control over all the ships? Uh, I thought he just said, "I'm going to I'm connecting directly with the ship's weapon system." Okay. He I doesn't say that. anything about connecting to all the other ships. Okay. Well, he is saying so that I may personally ensure his ship is not destroyed in a battle. Huh. Yeah, that's what, because therefore a while they wanted to capture Worf alive. Yeah. So why would control of one ship ensure that? I mean, you've that's got... That's what I'm saying. You've got like 30 or, you know, 50 ships in the battle. I don't know. Right. I don't no, know. But, I, but I, obviously I like... his direct control of the ship, his ship, if not others, is supposed to increase their accuracy, their speed, reaction speed time. I took it. Right, I did and, too. And make it more, more deadly. I don't know. But basically all they did is they didn't quite disable Worf's ship and Garrick was able to fly it out of there. Yeah. So really, it, it Data's ship did even worse than, than he probably would have if he wasn't connected to it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I did not like that part. But something I do like is uh, Garax, uh, so Worf is pinned, he can't do anything. And then he says to, to Worf, uh, so you can continue your glorious battle? And you want me to get that off so you can continue your glorious battle? I think not. You might think it's a good day to die, but I prefer to live for another day. <laughs> right. Now that's Garak. Yeah, no, that's good. Yeah, that's really fitting with the, the mirror Garak, too, that was always... Kind of ca- counteracting Worf's decisions uh-huh. <laughs> in the uh, Deep Space Nine episodes. Right. Nah, enjoyed that Love a lot. That. Love that part. Okay, so overall, this scenario where Riker takes over and kills Picard, of course, that was always a possibility, but actually seeing Picard die and being taken out, I really wasn't expecting that it was how this was going to end. No, I didn't either. I thought in the end it was going to be Picard who becomes Emperor and has everything and with Guinan's help foils the insurrection instead of it being able to carry out. Right. So Yeah, I was really surprised that uh, that it came out that way. Yeah. And, and what's also funny is that the Discovery miniseries that was all in the Mirror Universe mm-hmm. a, a few years back. Right. I mean, it also had almost a very similar product where Burnham was going to become emperor after Giorgio. And then, no, it, it was Giorgio's son was going to become emperor, or he became emperor like a very short time. Then Michael killed him. Mm-hmm. And then um, the cybernetic woman, I forgot her name, killed Burnham and became emperor. <laughs> right? So, I mean, it was like. <laughs> Three emperors died in like quick succession, and right. then it ended with her being the emperor of the mirror universe. Right. So surprise ending. Yeah. yeah. So it was kind of like that here, where the person you think's gonna win dies, and then then the other person steps in. Right. Stabs them in the back, literally. Right. And uh, steps in. I don't know. Nothing new under the sun, and and obviously uh, this universe, everybody's out for themselves. Exactly. And something I texted to you, and you 
you chastised me for is there are aspects of this ending in this issue that are rather like Game of Thrones. A chastise. How games of Game of Thrones ended. Now, I'm not going to say what it is, even though by this point, it's been years since Game of Thrones <laughs> ended. I'm not going to say anything else, but those people listening, the few people listening, I think, I think they will know what I'm talking about. I think it also happened in uh, that that play, Julius Caesar. <laughs> oh, that play, as opposed yeah, to history. <laughs> it's a callback to the patent joke from earlier. Uh-huh. In, case, in case you weren't following. No, I wasn't. <laughs> who, who, who's who's whose joke? Earlier, we made the joke about you mentioned the real patent, and I was like, "Oh, oh patent, patent, yeah, right, patent. gotcha, yeah, yeah." Gotcha. And this was the callback there to you the go. Caesar. A callback, the Caesar historical document. Exactly, exactly. So now I'm curious to see where the Troy issue goes, and I hope to see the Tipton brothers visit again in the future. Right. Now, if if they do continue the story, then obviously we're going to find out what happens with Emperor Riker and etc. Right. And I'm assuming it's... Without Picard. Unless Picard comes back, as you suggest. Now, that would be... Somehow, I think they really would have to have Picard come back. I would hope so. I do agree with that. Whether it has to be nanoprobes to do it, Borg nanoprobes or not, I don't know. But... I mean, because... How about this? How about they go go and get the uh, robot Picard from the Prime Universe now? So we flash forward, like, 30 years in the future oh. and then in order to bring down the crazy Emperor Riker they, they go to the Prime Universe to get that Picard and come to find out he's already a robot <laughs> huh? Huh? it's so many possibilities it's amazing it would be kind of cool to tie in Picard somehow the the future of Picard into uh-huh. the future of the Mirror Universe so get... you're saying that Riker is going to be um, you know for the next 15 years Riker is going to be Emperor Exactly. And then, and then that's when it comes in, and he comes back as a robot. Oh no! I got it. Oh no! Ken, it's staring us straight in the face. What? Mirror Shizan. Mirror Shizan is going to take over Picard. So now that the real Picard is dead, they're going to come to find out there was a Shizan that was cloned. Mm. He's going to now become the new Picard. Oh, that's possible. And the benefit of that would be that he actually looks like Picard. Exactly. looks just like him. (laughs) (laughs) As opposed to Tom Hardy. Yeah, there you go. I like it. It all works. All the possibilities, Donovan. It's amazing. And then everybody's going to be like, he's resurrected. They got to bring... If they're going to keep this going, they got to bring Picard back somehow. And Dinan teed it up. Right. What are we going to do next? Exactly. All right. Well, that was my last comment. You have any more? Uh, I got nothing else. Nothing else. It was good. I I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was great. And I look forward to the next one. Yeah. And may they continue to make all these wonderful, independent mini comic book series. Right. IDW, that is. Right. I I do think that these kind of things work better in, in little mini-series. Even though this one was a long one, with mm-hmm. eight plus 
eight main issues and then a bunch of little spin-offs. Well, the great but, thing, yeah. The great thing is, just like the TV series lately, you can make it as long as you want to. How much story have you got to tell? Right. If it's something that can support eight or ten issues, great. If it's something that only supports four, fine. Make it four. It's great. Right. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, I think that the... Uh, I thought that the Boldly Go, Star Trek Boldly Go... Mm-hmm. I thought it did well because it was like little two issue mini. Like every other issue was the start of a new little mini series, mm-hmm. right? Because it was just retelling the original series episodes in the Kelvin universe. Mm-hmm. So I, I like that ongoing, but then a lot of times the other ongoings just kind of seem like filler. A lot of times where you just like you don't really have a a push for a particular exactly. story. You're just kind of filling it in. Which I still enjoy, don't get me wrong. But, no, no, uh, but right. I think I like these miniseries is better where they're just like, you. come in, tell the story, and get out. Well, well, it's like trying to make 22 episodes a year in traditional TV. That's a grind. Right. And you got to produce. And uh, sometimes you get uneven quality. Anything else for this episode? Nothing else for this episode. Looking forward to Troy. Seeing yep. what the deal is with Troy next episode of the podcast and uh, seeing what the Stargazer thing's about. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to the Stargazer thing. Yeah. So obviously, whatever they did, since it is supposed to bridge seasons two and three, I'm sure we'll be 100% in coordination when we see the new new season. Yeah. And, and I feel bad. Last year, they did a bridge, a bridge story between episode one and two, mm-hmm. which is that uh, audio drama mm-hmm. with... Um, uh, Seven and Raffi. Right. Mm-hmm. I haven't listened to it. Uh, I feel so bad because it's just like I couldn't wait for it to come out. Now that it's out, I've still never listened to it. It's been over a year now. I began it, but I have not gotten back to it. Yeah. So yeah, it's like I got them like together. Maybe thirty minutes into it or so, and then yeah. for whatever reason, stopped listening to it and yeah. just never came back. Yeah. Sad. It is, but you will get to it. You will get to it. So, anyways, but we're starting a Ricard comic book tomorrow, or next week, so that I'll probably finish. Yeah. Um, one quick thing, and then I'm completely done, is I started listening to Isaac Asimov's um, robot series of books and short stories. Mm-hmm. And they're really good, but you can really tell they were, <laughs> they were written in the 40s and 50s. But, oh, yeah. but still, there are things in there where they're talking about positronic brains all the time. And various other sci-fi tropes that you see in Star Trek and, and other modern-day sci-fi. I'm not sure whether Asimov got it from someplace, but it seems like his old novels and short stories really did set a lot of framework that uh, has been u- reused in future sci-fi. So, oh, that's cool. Thank you, Isaac, for your contributions. They're really cool. I mean, some of them are really short, and some are, they're they're good. Although, my God, (laughs) they keep on talking about robots being made out of uh, iron and things. It's like, well, (laughs) actually, a lot of composites are used uh, and probably going to be used in the future. Material science has gone quite a ways since the 40s and 50s. So they're made out of iron? Yeah, it, it talks about iron and heavy metal and... These robots are all pretty heavy. Mm. 
as you would expect, eight is probably fairly heavy, but sure, sure. Uh, I'm sure it's more towards Stony, Tony Stark Iron Man materials than you know Iron Giant materials or something. Right. Well, Data would be more like the androids in Alien, where they're all squishy. No. Yeah. Uh, is he squishy for some reason? Is uh, he squishy inside? I don't know. He looks soft when everybody's touching him. Well, I, I know, but um, when he was shot by, uh, I forgot her name, in oh, First Contact. In, in First Contact. He, he didn't have a bunch of yellow milk coming out of him. <laughs> or, or white milk, you know, stuff coming out. That's true. And then when you see his head, when he opens up his head, it all looks like hardware. Yeah, nothing's, nothing's bleeding. Yeah, but there, you know, there probably is some squishy stuff inside. Okay. Well, I just meant his skin is made out of the same. Well, squishy sure. Stuff. Squishy on the outside. Yeah. Soft. But but definitely those alien robots are squishy on the inside too. Kind of gross. Yeah, that's what makes it cool. Bishop and uh, what was the first one? Ash. Ash. They were really disgusting inside. <laughs> yeah. All that milky blood. Exactly. Anyways. All right. So I guess we'll be back. Uh, or, Will, did you have anything else to say about uh, Asmoth? No, that's it. Yeah, sorry. I just want to mention that. Yeah, uh, I do want to watch uh, Blade Runner. I know it's not Asmoth, but <laughs> I, I uh, haven't seen Blade Runner since I was a little kid. So uh-huh. it's been on my list of, I want to get around to watching that and see how they how they deal with the whole robot thing. Yeah, the replicants. Yeah, I don't remember them showing the insides much, but I think they're more like squishy. Right. I, I think they're more like um, somehow clones of people that they enhance as opposed to it being all oh, mechanics. Oh, really? Okay. I think. Because they also, you know, they make, as you'll yeah. recall, they make artificial owls and all I kinds of animals. Yeah, I just know that they don't, they don't always know that they're robots. So that's really all I know about it. They all know they're robots except for Rachel. Spoiler, jeez. <laughs> well, <laughs> it's kind of a point of the... It, it has been a while since you've seen the movie. Like I just told you all I remember. That's oh, it. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> I know that the Splash Mermaid's in it, and uh, Indiana Jones is in it. <laughs> and that's it. There you go. There you go. She is a replicant. And she does not make porpoise noises. Or whatever. Oh, that's too bad. I was looking forward to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. we're just in the weeds, man. We're in the weeds. Go. So, thanks for joining us, everybody. See you next time on The Review. Later. Thank you for listening to Star Trek Comic Book Review. All Star Trek stories and characters are copyrighted CBS Studios Incorporated. All music, stories, and characters discussed are for entertainment purposes only. You can email us at star t comicbookreview at gmail.com Visit us at our website www.stcomicbookreview.com Subscribe to us via iTunes or friend us on Facebook at first name ST Comic second name book review See you next time on Star Trek Comic Book Review <laughs>